Or do I get thorns? Until things went south, we had to move twice Off of Michigan Road, that's where the story unfolded The winter's the coldest, New Year's and Valentine's were the worst Extended Indiana winters till like March 21st or 2nd I was accepted straight out of Cali, repping Salinas Valley Back in the 90s, Indy used to let the clan rally Downtown in a circle, there's degrees to hate 360 boys back in Hi, and welcome to the Heart of Brunch Podcast. I'm your host, Dyke Michaels, and with me as always is my co-host, Thaddeus J. McKee. Slappy, happy, wham, wham. On the ones and twos, the wheels of steel, uh, the sauce boss of Indianapolis, and the last white dragon, Zach Rohn. Hey there. A very special guest with us in studio, artiste, Dan Thompson. Hey, bud. Woo! Hey, bud. Ooh, very roomy claps. Can you, can you hear Ryan? Uh, you were trying to tell I me hear, something. I there. was trying to tell you it was too loud, but I... Of course, I should have known that we were going to be listening to the music forever. Oh, gotcha. so, <laughs> it is pretty loud. It is pretty loud. We your, can, your headphones are loud. Pretty loud. We can turn you pretty down. Loud. We can turn you down. We no, turn you down. I just yeah, everything works great in here. Very powerful. Welcome to the program, Dan. Thanks. I was trying to explain. I was trying to explain you to something <laughs> to someone. Uh, I was saying how we. You can turn me back up. I was fine. Yeah, you didn't really touch my shit. So the other uh, day, as a prank <laughs> for a St. Patrick's Day prank, I changed all the <laughs> headphones. <laughs> Just to just to hurt people's ears. Uh, I was I was trying to explain. I've known you since high school. Went to high school. We went That's to right. Ben Davis together. That's right. And you were like the artist guy in high school. And I always felt like you had this kind of. Uh, uh, I called it street art, but I feel like you always had like kind of like that tagger, like urban, like Ta- I, tagger art's what we call it. I'm okay, just, no, oh, no, damn it. <laughs> I was like, did I, did I nail it? No. Did I, I just totally nailed it. Didn't no, I? I think street art's probably right. Street art, yeah. But kind kind of like a like a definitely like a like a urban like graffiti artist mm-hmm. kind of kind of style, at least back then. And mm-hmm. obviously that was you know a while ago. And I'm assuming that you've only improved over I the have. years. I've only become more of more of a street artist. Yeah, it would be bad if you got worse over the years. <laughs> it w- I mean it yeah, but it would also mean that you're not uh there's nothing for you to even do. Like if you you can't do something and not get better at it, I think. Yeah. You know. Oh, I don't know. Really? You think so? I've seen some open micers that <laughs> no. You know yeah. what? I, yeah. Come to think of it, I can I can definitely think of graffiti art, like people that are just straight up like people that do just go out and bombing and tagging and like not murals uh, that 20 years later, 30 years later, there actually has been no change. Really? No, no, no improvement. It's like almost a, a badge of honor. It's like a logo, you know? Ah, uh, to not change or evolve at all. So like mm-hmm. when I was in like third grade, like me and all my friends like to draw like Bart Simpson, mm-hmm. Ninja Turtles and stuff. And we were all mm-hmm. kind of on the same level mm-hmm. and then fourth grade came around and they just kept going and mm-hmm. i just stopped i was like locked in like my artistic ability as far as like drawing and painting is like still that of a third grader would you see it would you say that it's stick figures hey <laughs> that's about that's about it yeah <laughs> um so but you, did you know a lot of people that were artists when you were a kid 
I mean, we were all artists when we were kids, you know, like, but I guess that's true. Wait, I like my, my friends were definitely like the, like the, yeah, the creative ones. Yeah. But, uh, I was friends with actual artists that got better and kept going. And yeah. around that time I tapped out and was like, Oh, this is probably more your thing than it is mine. I mean, honestly, that's, a, I would rather know that and, and move on than yeah. not, not know it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. Because you can, that's the thing about, about the passionate arts, like the things that you do for your own expression, like mm-hmm. you really will do them regardless of success. And so yeah. if you're on the wrong path. <laughs> Welcome to this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of funny. Like art is like the first thing that like a, a child does, like even before, like even writing, for like sure. you're sketching something out. It's like a, it's a way of communication. You're smearing something on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can't even tell you how many times I walk into a house not too dissimilar from this or maybe smaller, but you know, kind of this sort of an aged style house mm-hmm. and you'll see like drawings, like a three foot ring of like just scribblings because that's because there's a kid in the house. Oh yeah. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. So just get them a thing and yeah, that's all they can do. It's just like this to stand up and put KRS did a whole like nine minutes on this, but uh, there's this compulsion to write is actually not to write on a table. It's actually to write on a wall. It's like to stand, oh. to stand upright and you have to be taught to sit down and write on a table and, and learn a specific language and put it in rows. But your, your compulsion is to like, just put you like in front of your face, basically. That so, makes sense. So I think it's a, I think graffiti is, is, I think it's true when they say that graffiti and art as broadly goes all the way back to the cave paintings. But I think it's, we've, we've commodified it to the point that it's really hard to know. Oh, is this, is this young art like, is a child doing this accidental painting less art than an adult doing the exact same mm. ugly shit thing yeah. stuff? Uh, oh, you can cuss on here. Sick. <laughs> uh, is, is that less? It's encouraged. Is it le- is that le- I, I got the vibe, you know. I just know I things. Think like, I don't know things change when you come up the stairs. <laughs> uh, it's like more regal as you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it's like bring all your stuff and uh, made it sound like we're not coming back down. We do. <laughs> we do all the cursing downstairs, you rube. I feel like I did a. I feel like I did a poor introduction of you. Not just like some yeah. guy, some guy I knew in high school who <laughs> drew some stuff. <laughs> you yeah. are that, yeah. But you're also you're yeah. also so much more. Best known as the editorial cartoonist on the Ben Davis High School. Yeah, paper. yeah, yeah. Official. Uh, well, what's funny too is like I feel like, uh, and I've I've talked to Thad about this all the time. A lot of people that are our age. Don't look very 20s, good. 20s, 30s. Yeah, they don't look very good anymore. Like, like the age is caught up with a lot of... And I saw... Uh, you know, I, I, I see you pop in, you know, every now and then. Like, you pop into my places of, of work. Yep. Uh, you're, still, you're still looking good. But I, I, was on, I was on YouTube the other day, and I get an ad, and I'm like, I have to watch a 10-second ad before yeah. I, I watch my whatever. And all of a sudden, your face pops up smiling. Yeah. And the first thought I had was, oh, my God, it's Dan Thompson. Yeah. It's on, on my YouTube. <laughs> Second of all, I was like, Dan Thompson looks exactly like he did in high school. I've heard <laughs> other people say that. It's not. I know it's not true, but I don't, I don't correct people. Uh, it's sunglasses. I wear sunglasses. <laughs> you know what I mean? I wear hats. Uh, but you, um, you're, you're a big part of the Indianapolis art scene. You're a muralist? Is that the what's, Indeed. The what's the preferred term? I mean, yeah, to me, I talk about, I mean, street art is the broader thing. But, I mean, a mural, a big painting on a wall, that's a mural. That's mostly what I do. Okay. Yeah. I do illustration also, which is some of the stuff I showed you before. Yeah, it was amazing. Uh, of just, like, 
doing artwork that's used for some other purpose, like it's in print or online. But murals is still the thing I do the most. And uh, we'll we'll do plugs at the end, but I, I just to give people kind of a visual component to this. Where can people like kind of go and look up your art right now if they're like because it's audio only, obviously. Yeah. But like if people wanted to go and like look up your art, where would they look that up at? The Instagram is Invisible Hometown. Um, the website is Invisible Hometown, and so that's really. That's where all the stuff is. The, the most curated portfolio is on the website, and the more just like daily random stuff is on the Instagram. Nice. Now, pause this, and then go look it up real quick, and then uh, press play again. Um, ex- tell me about this mural project that I'm getting targeted ads for on YouTube. Nice. Well, uh, you should go to Jiffy Lube and get your oil changed. Yeah, I, I mean, how did you know? If you, yeah, if you didn't get that subliminal message. Look, you can just look at me and guess that I'm the guy that needs to probably get his oil changed. That's awesome. Uh, I mean, I rode here on a bike. It doesn't mean anything. I just don't, don't want to miss any opportunity to tell people I rode here on a bike. Um, so the, the Jiffy Lube uh, mural program is... So this is in its fourth year. So the murals that are getting done this year are the fourth year. Um, it's Jiffy Lube in central Indiana. And I think it started only like, you know, specifically sort of in the loop uh, of 465. People don't know what that is. But uh, it became, it, it was really an idea. It's a marketing project. Anytime you do something like this, mm-hmm. it's like you're going to, you're going to help, you're going to associate your business with something more with a, with this kind of greater kind of quality of life idea. You know, these are not Jiffy Lube's words, by the way. This is just, <laughs> this, this is just me, what I'm saying. You're not an official spokesperson nope. for Jiffy Lube? No, okay. nor, nor should I be confused as one. No. <laughs> uh, but, it, you know, I've done a lot of stuff with companies and it's almost always marketing dollars, basically, marketing budgets that, mm. I've, that I've been working for. And it's to kind of cast a light on the brand and change. Again, like be more than oil change. It'd be like something that enhances your neighborhood and your life. And mm. by the way, like you see these murals and you go, what is that? Oh, it's Jiffy Lube. I'm, and I mean, I don't know how many people, but some people just stop their car and go get an oil change and look at the mural. You know yeah. what I mean? Which is what my hope is. At least they're going to see it. But it's only benefits me if they get out of their car. If they go, if they actually come and get out of their car and look at it. So like the idea is to make people go to Jiffy Lube. So where, where are these located at? Uh, all over. Mine, mine specifically is uh, where Eastgate Mall used to be. Okay. Uh, 21st mm. or like 14th and Shadeland, something okay. like that, uh, between 10th Street and Washington. But uh, they're everywhere, man. Like they're they're actually going into northern Indiana now and like further south as well. So the new ones are are not. I don't believe in Indianapolis. There's and it's gonna be like I don't know how many there are, but there's four new ones this year, I think. So I can get my old changed and then just sit there and watch and take in this art the, yeah. the mm-hmm. whole time. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. And I think they've actually have, I don't know if they're still doing it, but they had a scavenger thing. Like, so you could actually, you could go just take a photo at every Jiffy Lube and get free oil changes. Really? Excuse yeah. me? Yeah. Run that back. <laughs> Let's go back to that free yeah. oil change. Yeah. First you get, you get the first oil change so you can drive your car all over town <laughs> uh, and take pictures of all these different Jiffy Lubes. I don't know how many it is, but okay. you can take photos of them and, and like tag them and get, you know, some free Oil changes. It's fun. Turns into like a yeah. like an art scavenger mm-hmm. hunt kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, and it's it's just something that's, you know the cool thing about it is it's not normal for anybody in Jiffy Lube's like business, mm-hmm. and it's not normal for any business at all. And so the fact that they keep doing it, and this is the fourth time they've done it, they did it in spite of the pandemic, although they postponed it, um, just means it's 
it's good for their business. The, mm-hmm. This public art is good for business, you know? That's great. And that's kind of how, because it's, it, it's, it's two things that's kind of interesting with art because, like, obviously we do comedy and, like, I do food too, which are both technically art, but I never feel like an artist in the way that, like, someone like you who draws or paints is an artist, Why? you know? Why is that? I don't know. I just, I, I, I think there's something that maybe got hit in when you're younger that, like, Art is like drawing or painting or sculpture or something mm. like that. And then all these things are kind of like, they're artistic. They're like art-ish. You know, they're like artistic-ish. But um, I, it's something that I keep working against myself. I keep being like, no, this is an art. Like, th- yeah, this is a... like. Well, uh, one was respected more probably, you know, like especially like in the time when we were growing up, like it wasn't necessarily like the comedian wasn't necessarily like celebrated in class or oh yeah class clown was a bad thing yeah 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 and also i guess it just seems like more like a pure art form i guess or i I don't know so you think visual art drawing and painting is more pure i I, like i guess yes i guess i kind of subconsciously think that way and what i'm getting at here is that you know because um the like, kind of commercial aspects of art, you know, mm-hmm. it it always seems like someone who paints is 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 more above like the commercialization of art. Whereas like you know, someone you sell your food, you make food to sell it, right? Mm. You 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 tell jokes to make mm. you know money. Oh yeah, but, but then because because I've seen that that's what people do. They become comedians and overnight <laughs> just, they just have so much the, money. The money trucks are all in. You know, this is like three a.m. and you like, gotta go to sleep. Yeah. No, no. I, I sleep terribly because the money checks it is coming at all hours. So like, oh, guys, yeah. what I tell you? Not after ten. Yeah, I no, said throw it in the back. Yeah, there's a new hole. Yeah, no backing up. <laughs> just uh, just drop it off on the street. But but it, it, it's interesting because I mean I guess like because obviously like all artists want to be properly compensated or you know sure. artists like to eat too you know mm-hmm. they have to eat and live and pay humans like to eat. Um, yeah, but, but it, you cook for your friends. Sure. And I mean, that's an expression just like, I mean, like that's, that's an expression. I mean, you're, you're getting a bill at the end of the day. I don't know what you're talking about. Do you think that was free? <laughs> yeah, I think, I, I think the it's funny. Cause of course I do, I see some sort of a line in the sand, but it's really because I think there's some kinds of art people inherently are willing to pay for. And food is in that, in that category. Mm-hmm. Comedy is in that category. Maybe less, not as much as food, mm-hmm. not as much as beer, mm-hmm. you know, but it's kind of in that category with live music. And can we just get the definition of art up real quick? Can we look what's the actual def I don't know what we're talking about. <laughs> I just realized I don't know what art means. What <laughs> uh, Zach wasn't sure if he should look it up or not. He was like, Do you really want me to bring this up? Uh, I'm still not sure. <laughs> yeah, go ahead and bring it up. I, mean, I don't know. I don't know if life gets any easier if we just look up the definition of art. Okay, well, uh, <laughs> Nasty you. Nate got it, and he, he's be, just hanging be out the here. producer, surprise, no surprise. Uh, the expression Production or application value. of human creative skill and imagination, typically in a visual form, such as painting or sculpture, producing works to be appreciated wow, prior, primarily for their beauty or emotional power. Wow, dude. Was this Webster? It's a really good definition. Uh, I think it's just dictionary. Diction- so, you know, Web- Webster-ish, yeah. good enough for us. It just it just corroborated what you said. <laughs> it said typically visual art. Yeah, it's not like it didn't say 
It could have, if you, I mean, a great, true definition of art should list everything, don't you think? Yeah, you could have easily left that typically out yeah, and, right. and, and just been inclusive of everybody. But yeah, you could have, typically. Yeah. A human expression, like a, a human skill and expression, I think yeah. it's perfect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Because I, I think, like, whatever sense gets affected, like, I always, like, go back to art as a form of communication. That's, that's, like, my basic for me to understand what art is. So, like, if it's, like, through, touch or through through taste or through sight all those five senses maybe even uh a sixth and spirituality if you if you'll go there there's art in all of that and if you're what what it said your emotion has been impacted by mm-hmm. that then that's art yeah i think that's a good that's probably a good a good example of it too a good de- definition a better one i think it's hard to Maybe it's I could put it on a continuum versus saying this one is different and this one is, you know, another separate thing. Like to me, there's I'm glad the definition of art said skill or technique like that to me is critical because it's one thing to be creative, but you cannot create something without knowing what that thing is. And that's where Mm -hmm. technique comes in. It's like, you know, for a visual artist, you need to be able to draw and, you know, predict pattern and there's there's the elements and principles of design the basic you know gradation harmony variety a lot of different components to it that either are intuitive or well understood mm. and i would have to imagine all, if if food is on that continuum it's maybe much higher on the technical side yeah and maybe less shorter on the interpretive side right because you can only go so far until it's not a chowder whatever our debate was yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know yeah, it's yeah. like it's it, you you can only push your your creativity so far until, yeah. until it, you have to know the rules to break them kind of thing it's, it's but i think it's no different mm-hmm. i would say it's easier anyone can taste a piece of your art and appreciate it and they're gonna have to taste something three times oh they a day. don't they don't always appreciate it every time. <laughs> <laughs> nice i'm looking at you that <laughs> Dan, how much of art? He did w- tell me to stop eating. The soup. <laughs> how much of art would you? Here. How much of art would you say is technique? Uh, I'm I'm in t- I'm tempted to. I would love to say mm-hmm. that most of it is because mm-hmm. I think you I think if you spend all your time working on technique, if there's anything in there that's you, it's going to come out. That's the only thing you can do. Was that a real question? What? <laughs> yeah, I, I just it's a it's a good question. <laughs> Because I mean, how much uh, how much of of what you're even Cooking? I would say even <laughs> more. <technique>? Well, hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. Okay. So that maybe is the difference. There you can teach someone the steps to cook, to prepare a dish, and yeah. by the by the end, it will be that. But I can't tell you to draw whatever the Mona Lisa or some other trite example. SpongeBob. This is probably a dumb question, but I was thinking about this earlier today. Actually, do you think I could get? Oh, hang on. I would say I might be able to teach you that though. Like just like you could teach me to cook right yeah. now. Right now I'm, I, I cook like shit and I would not make a good dish with, I would not be able to express myself and be technically sound at the same time. Okay. Uh, you can't do that with this, with a drawing, but I might be able to at least break it down to those four or five steps or rules or, or tools. You know what I mean? So that, that was my question. I was going to say, do you think you or anyone could teach me to be a better visual artist if i was like i want to improve upon my drawings better absolutely you think at at this current age i could i could take a class and i could improve my drawing ability maybe i'm naive but if i can continue to improve i think anybody can and because i've I've at times thought i was extremely advanced and i really had to figure it out and i and i still 
daily find things that I, I, I need to improve where I do improve and didn't realize how bad it was. Mm. How often, how often is that something where you've been like, Oh, I've been drawing this way for, you know, since I was a kid. And then you like learn a new technique or a new way of doing something. You're like, Oh, holy shit. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's hard to say for me to learn a new technique. I need a, I need a new tool. And so the digital realm, this is why digital art is beautiful is because it's easier for a whole lot of other, a whole lot of reasons that are obvious. Like you don't need buckets of paint. You don't need a bucket of paint brushes. You don't need water. Mm -hmm. Um, you don't need even a table really. Um, but on that, like this iPad here, I can go in and do anything in a charcoal pencil or a, or a 6B pencil or a 2B pencil or a can of spray paint, fat can of spray paint, thin can of spray paint, just just splatters, you know, and everything in between. And that to me is, uh, I mean, how technical is that? You know, I can, I can get inspired by a new tool, but in the end, some of the stuff is... A lot of it's just there already. It's it's kind of, to an extent, it's decided. Mm. You know, I think it's the. I don't know how much of it is in your technique and how much of it is in you, your spirit, and whatever you know your energy that you bring to it. But I like to think that if you go heavy on the technique, at some point you have a handle on the vocabulary so that you can use it, you know, yeah, however you want, or just not use it in ways that you don't feel comfortable. Well, and. Uh so I can only compare with like cooking. Uh, that's what I've done my whole life. And one of the things I notice is that even with the same technique, like I'm learning something about, you know, frying an egg, mm -hmm. even to this day. And I fried, you know, tens of thousands of eggs, but mm -hmm. you can still, and, and, I, and I feel like sometimes it's like, you can't even articulate the thing you just learned, like the, the angle or the, the touch or the, you know, mm -hmm. it, it just gives you like a, an additional ab mm -hmm. ability to translate something, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, there's, you're talking about muscle memory where you do something enough times that you have a, you can, you can feel what you wanted to do in, in the way you're moving your hand. Like you can anticipate what's going to happen. And that's a part of the, the, the whole mechanical language of it. That to me is the like expert level that, you know, nobody, most people aren't there. Most people can spend a lot more time before we get to that point. Yeah. And so, but yeah, anybody can improve on drawing. I just think it comes down to making it simple enough. That I mean, and you have to manage your expectations. You know, you can't. If I was to sit down with you guys today and even say, "Let's draw SpongeBob," which is a a cartoon, so it's not like the hardest thing to get right. Mm -hmm. B, it's a pop culture icon which everybody's familiar with, so you're going to kind of have some idea if you're getting close enough or not. But the other thing is this: what I would say probably the more important thing for me is the construction of like. How do you break it down in the proportions? Some of the math plus some of the intuition that is actually not that personal. It's not. It's not a completely solitary personal creation. There's there's common things that people do that you can you can apply to. There's like so many. It's vocabulary. Like we just somebody was talking about downstairs. We're talking about like accounting and coding and all. Mm -hmm. Everything is really mm -hmm. has more to do with vocabulary than math. Yeah. Wow. So we're talking about the brunch, and normally what we do is uh, we have you guess. I feel like it would have been, if you would have guessed the theme based on the food that was presented, I think until dessert, you would have won, you would have won Final Jeopardy. <laughs> for, for sure. It was, it was a very kind of a abstract. Convoluted. Conv convoluted. Mm -hmm. Convoluted is a good word. But yeah. it was, uh, you're an artist, so we wanted to do 
uh, famous artists. And instead of, for me on mine, uh, instead of doing uh, like representations of their work, I was actually doing the food that they were kind of either mm-hmm. associated with or had been kind of linked to. So the first course um, was a plowman's lunch uh, for Van Gogh. And uh, that was kind of uh, like something that you would go into like a tavern or something, have the easel out there in the street. And uh, that was kind of like Mm -hmm. a a common food uh, menu item of the time. And it was kind of like a either a deconstructed sandwich or kind of like a old timey charcuterie board. You know, you had like the but we did the smoking goose city ham and some like local uh, artisan bread. And uh, usually it's going to be something fresh baked. And then it was really just a deconstructed sandwich. Like once I put together, hey, I was like, "This is a ham sandwich <laughs> deconstructed." Dude, that you've you, you got me at you had me at charcuterie all day. Like on holidays for like Christmas or like special date dinners and stuff. That's what me and my girlfriend do. We eat like cheese and crackers and mm-hmm. just a, an an offensive array, yeah, of <laughs> cheese and crackers. It's know? it's fun. I mean, I feel like I've made so many on the show, and they're always different. You know, mm-hmm. it's always a little bit different. Yeah. And it's fun, and it's really good, like, first course. I like I like when people just walk in, and there's, like, already something there to kind of kind of uh, nosh on a little bit. Yeah, I didn't realize I was going to be early. I'm, I'm impressed with myself. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you came in on your bike. I was like, that man just rode his bike here. Yeah. Bike That's impressive, right? <laughs> Got to tell people when <laughs> it happens. Uh, <laughs> oh, that that's my bike. And then the... Now, do you, do you guys call it minestrone or minestrone? Because I've heard it both ways. Minestrone, yeah, it's definitely minestrone. Oh. I was saying minestrone like all week, and then I heard so it was kind of like minestrone. Hey, what, one like, person, yeah, you heard, your whole life you've been, you've, you've been saying minestrone, and one person says, "You know, you have no hey, idea. don't be an asshole." <laughs> you have no idea how many times I've been doing something my whole life and realized that I was doing it wrong. So I was like, oh, "Minestrone is that what we're doing?" <laughs> Or maybe it's minestrone when you're a kid and when you're an adult, it's minestrone. Yeah. I don't know. It's also macaron. Yeah. <laughs> macaron and chase. Uh, but that was uh, directly attributed to Leonardo da Vinci, mm-hmm. uh, who was a vegetarian. I did not know. Um, and that was like, uh, that was his jam. That was his favorite meal was, uh, you know, it's got the pasta in there. and Yeah, I ate the whole soup. Um, <laughs> I can't believe I ate the whole soup. And I wasn't able, I don't, I'm not a soup man. But I ate all the soup, and I was not able to eat much of the rest of the things that came after. (laughs) Um, No, it was good. I I need good soup cups. I feel like we've had this problem before. I used to serve giant bowls of soup, and I realized that was not the way to go. Hurting everybody because yeah, that just puts that puts a damper on your whole day when you house a a giant. You drink a half a gallon of soup to start the brunch off. Not a good rest of the day. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, you managed. You really did manage the. It was a very sensible serving. We need to start like having waivers for brunch. <laughs> like, we're, like you need to sign this. Like, why am I in danger? Like, maybe. And why am I in danger? <laughs> There's a possibility that we all might be in danger. Uh, yeah, I mean, you, the DM, you were very, you were adamant. You said more than once, "Don't eat any food." I'm going to make a lot of food. Seriously, it's a lot of food. Yeah, don't eat. Yeah, there, there's nothing that will send me into a rage more than someone's came over and, before. And then, oh no, I'm good, bro. Yeah, I'm like, no, oh, I just had a big breakfast. It's like, you know what this podcast is called, right? <laughs> we brunch harder. It's not brunch, maybe. It's a lot of food. Or I've seen people do it too, where like we didn't used to warn people, mm. and it was like 
like, oh, it'll be a fun surprise that I keep bringing. It's not a fun surprise when you do that to someone. <laughs> it's torture. It's actually torture. Uh, when you just keep bringing out courses. <laughs> when they no, weren't even hungry when they got here. No forewarning. No, but what happens is I bring out a full course and everyone thinks that's the only thing. So they smash every bit of the first item. And then there's four more uh, courses coming out. And they're like, what the fuck? Well, I, that's when I realized that this was what was happening. Like, I was being served. Yeah. Which is... I mean, it's a hell of a spread, sir. No one, no one likes. I did a like a food eating challenge, like a competitive eating challenge once. Never again, because it like towards the end it felt like torture, Mm -hmm. and I was like, I never want food to feel this way. I never want to. I never want to associate food with Mm -hmm. actually being tortured. Well, and this is this is not a fair comparison, but uh, I'm going to make it anyhow. Um, There, it's like. That's why I resist the idea that being an artist is not work or made, being a craftsperson mm-hmm. to me is is very legitimate work. I mean, I know people that make quilts and oh sure, there's a whole there there's a level of seriousness. There's a lot of work in it, yeah. And it's you know and and have to have a mastery of that art form to the extent that they can express themselves through it. Like that's something that that I think is yeah. really uh, really legit. So the idea that it's actually that it somehow gets easy. Um, or it is not work. Or mm. It's not possible. Like a new a new problem is feels is is fantastic. Mostly once you solve it, you know. I think some people just equate work to stuff that they don't enjoy doing. Because mm-hmm. there's a lot of people I know that like they make a lot of money, they make a great living, they fucking hate their jobs. That's a good point. Yeah, you know, and it's just like they, I point. think they kind of break life down into like. You go make money doing the thing that you hate, and then you spend your free time doing the thing that you love. And so when somebody yeah. manages to do both, it seems like almost like they're cheating. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, scandalous. And, and, and it's like you don't see the... So like people like for comedians are best examples because like by the time you see a comedian that's like good and famous and you know their name, sure, you've missed... 15 years of torture, sure. you know, like you missed 15 years of sleeping on, you know, futons and, and all that shit and getting booed and making $15 a night Absolutely, yeah. and all that stuff. So it's just like, Oh man, this is life is just the one big chuckle hut for yep. you, buddy. Yep. And it's just like, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Well, and yeah, it's, it's like, uh, you know, is a pirate happy pirate? pirate. <laughs> No, I love this. The pirate doesn't think about happy. That's not what it's about. <laughs> Wait a second. I think most pirates that we know are pretty happy. I, I think we're going to have to pull up that happiness definition. Because well, I want to know about these pirates you know. <laughs> I, I mean, go ahead. Uh, I mean, he is Haitian. I know. He might know a pirate. I don't oh, know. Other Haitian pirates? I, I, yeah, I know a few I pirates. Did, I didn't know who you were with. <laughs> Here, it's not. It's not important. I'm just saying. I think you choose the pirate life does find you, but I think the pirates choose to be pirates. And, sure, and and there's <laughs> that was choose the pirate they chose life. out of just like a. It was like, well, I could be a carpenter, or I could be a fisherman, <laughs> yeah, I or mean, I could just be a pirate. And your mom's like, well, no. I mean, it's really up to you. All right, you're we're really dancing a line of pirate shaming right now. <laughs> we are the pirate life. <laughs> I'm not gonna shame that career, even though it is legal. And yeah, okay, all right. My point is <laughs> that these are these wayward sort of uh, f- floating, uh, you know, uh, Spartan cavalier. Those are all noble words. Pirates is what I'm really thinking of. Yeah. Uh, but people with like no particular structure, they've decided to get to kind of face every day 
uh, on its own terms. And I think that's, that's appealing to everybody. Mm. But I think, I, I think that the, the maddening uh, moments of when you are that person who is sort of like you're directing your own thing. You're, you are the talent and you're also the agent and you're all the other things. Yeah. And, and frankly, most of us are only good at one of those things or two of them. Um, so it's like a really, fr- so there's definitely days when there's things I have to do. Right. That I was like, wow, if this was my job, I don't, I wouldn't be able to, do, I wouldn't be right. able to be successful. And, yeah. and that's, but a lot of people are choosing that because at least they know they, they can, they can put a, a, a primary or premium on their time and their experience. There's a number. Sometimes you got to clean up the poop deck, you know, <laughs> sometimes a pirate has to do something. I'm not even, dude, that's probably not even the worst thing a pirate has to do. <laughs> right. I mean, but, you're, but are you comparing the artist life to sometimes like the pirate life? Like, like you get a choose. I'm talking do. about a Disney pirate here, not like a, <laughs> not like a modern day. Wait, pirate. is the pirate the good I'm guy? I'm talking about the, the guy down here. Yeah. What, what? I'm the captain now. <laughs> oh my God. Let's take a quick break and we'll be back with more pirates and dance. <laughs> And saying I'm not talented is like saying Kim Kardashian doesn't. Well, yes. Who Kim is Car- Kim, who is Kim Kardashian? <laughs> Kim Kardashian. <laughs> Ain't no punchline, it's realness. They say he got no chill. Can see no other way to the day he got no bills. His whole field's bleeding when it's leaving on a stretcher. And everybody see it, but they rarely feel the pressure. That's the call of the youth. You can hear it if you listen. Young brothers on the come up until they fall victim. Man, that's where the city's headed. I can feel it in my bones. They clean by the vultures, but the coach is still strong. It's Indiana Jones and DJ Metronome had to put him in the song just to keep the love going. Cause people love songs about the trap, but now. We're back with Dan Thompson. We're going down the the brunch items for today, and then the next up was uh, Frida. Um, now, this was the first one that uh, I actually got her recipe. Um, I think after a certain point, all artists started becoming some some in some way attached to food somehow. Like a lot of artists have put out cookbooks. A lot of artists have done some sort of uh, crossover. I, I, I found that to be very interesting. You know, like, oh, I love this person's painting. I wonder what they eat. You know, like, yeah. I thought I had a very original kind of interest in that when I started doing this for brunch and then realized, like, no, like, literally everyone's had that thought before. Like, I mean, dude, I, honestly, I wasn't aware of that. I don't, to me, if I like an artist, I don't. You eat. don't think about what they eat for breakfast, man. I really don't, dude. I mean, it's not that it's not important, but to me, those are details for somebody else. Sure, you know, because uh, I don't want, I don't want what I eat or don't eat for breakfast to have any. I don't want it to mean anything. Yeah, like with, do you, you want me to respond to each dish? Because um, I don't have necessarily a response to each of them, but. Uh, you just, however you feel. I just think it's fascinating. I think it's a really cool idea for someone to look at that and extrapolate because it is a part of the story. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I, mean, I just, I just watched the Warhol Diaries on or Andy Warhol Diaries mm-hmm. on Netflix. I don't like Warhol, and I'm, I don't, I don't have any like trouble telling people that. But I'm extremely fascinated by what he did and what he, how much space he managed to manages to still take up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, know? that's one interesting thing for me as like an aspiring. Uh, comedian um, is that I think everyone has opinions about we all have opinions about art and artists right but like especially like uh, before I got into comedy 
I had my opinions. This guy's good. That guy sucks. This girl sucks. This girl's awesome. You know, that kind of thing. And then you get into it and I'm like, it kind of has to shift a little bit. Um, obviously the person that's been doing professional, been a professional for a comedian for 20 years doesn't suck. Mm-hmm. They're just not my cup of tea, mm-hmm. you know? And mm-hmm. I, I've, I've had to, that's ch- just, that's crucial, dude. I've that- had to change my language and change my, there's people that I really don't personally enjoy, but I can't say that they're a, they're bad at their art form. You know, yeah, it's, just, it's, like, it's just not for me. Are people laughing? Yeah, exactly. They're selling tickets and yeah. people are coming. People, you know, there's some people that I really don't enjoy that have, massive rabid fan bases yep. and now that i've entered into that space and i'm trying to do it uh, it really is the student like pointing at the master and telling them you know like ah you're not you're yeah. not good you're not an artist yeah. you know which yeah. is insane well you got to get the eyes and the ears to, to even know you know i mean that's the beauty of be, of learning something is it's all it's all like Piss and vinegar, as they say. It's like mm-hmm. there's this excitement to carve it out or change it or prove them all wrong when you don't have any idea why things are the way they are. And yeah. unfortunately, if you want to do something professionally, you have to start asking yourself different questions than you were asking yourself if all you want to do is make good art. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Or if you're just a casual fan of it. Right. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's like, do you, do you want to actually make money at it? And it's not, that's when, that's all the things that aren't fun. Yeah. Until you do make money. And the, yeah, and making money is fun. Yeah. But the things it takes to get that money made mm-hmm. is all stuff that's not fun. Absolutely. And so you go, it's like, it doesn't matter how good your product is. You need good marketing. You need good, you need, you need someone to care who you are. And so you'll see these people. I'm sure I can only imagine as a comedian because the level of fame and success a comedian can get to, you know, cause like the famous artist everybody brings up to me, who's not dead is Banksy. Mm-hmm. And there's one Banksy. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, I think of somebody like Gabriel Iglesias. Yeah. There's like four or five of that guy. Mm. They each have their own audiences that are just like unstoppable uh, revenue generating machines. And that's like, that's a, to me, that's something that that's more than just being funny. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, what was interesting to me is I, I wanted to, I wanted to kind of, cause like initially I had the same thing. I like artists and I'm like top two artists that pop in my head when I think of artists Van Gogh and Picasso just Mm -hmm. pop into my head. And then I was just like, you know, it's probably easy for me to like name off 10, you know, old white guy artists. And then I was just like, oh man, I I definitely want to get some women and, you know, like Mm -hmm. uh, be cool to get like a black dude in there. Mm -hmm. And then I Googled famous black artists and I didn't recognize most of the names. Yeah. And I was just like, wow, this is not good that I, I can't like name five black artists off the top of my head that come to the head that kind of resonate in the same mm-hmm. way, you know, that, um, that Van Gogh or, or Picasso does. So, I mean, dude, there it's, everybody knows the same artists because that's the ones that are in the books. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, like, like who won that war? Like who right. could tell that history in that way? Yeah. And, and, and like, yeah, I don't think black artists were like favored, right? Back in our, yeah. Back in the, well, that's what's insane to me. Cause I think about all the talented people I know. Yeah. Where I'm just like, there's so many black artists, but this, the, the names aren't chiseled in the annual annals of history. Like that. Well, again, it's, I mean, it, there's, there's the, the freedom and ability in your personal life to create art, which everybody doesn't have. Some people don't have the time. Mm-hmm. It does take some space and resources, which everybody doesn't have. Um, but, if you want to become successful, the you know the, the the mechanisms through which you have to succeed are not available to everybody. Yeah, I mean they're still not, but 
you know, there's new avenues now that these big machines like the auction houses and the publishing houses and the gallerists don't have all the control they used to have. But I mean, it, it's like the reality is out of a world where anyone can be an artist, millions of people might be an artist. Uh, there's like a handful of them that are in, are endorsed and really supported by their the establishment in their field. Yeah. Whether it's like the street art illiterati or whatever is like, or literati is this thing. The gallery world is this thing. The auction houses are this thing. You know, the NFT space is this whole new like mm. glass house you, you can stare into, but never find a way in. You yeah. Know? Um, so there's way more ways to do it, but I think you're, when you look up a famous black artist, I mean, unfortunately that, that actual level of fame doesn't start very far back in history mm, where you, yeah. could, where, where an artist could even elevate to the point of forget a household name. I mean, there's like an Andy Warhol Basquiat. I mean, that's like, that was never Basquiat's the, like the first one right? yeah. to, to be that famous. And or William Shakespeare brings us to our next course. <laughs> if you want, I just, yeah, I'm, I learned a big one today. Uh, sure. <laughs> uh yeah jean michel um actually uh was the inspiration um and i yeah definitely I, the, it makes total sense now when i think about it i was just like oh yeah we got a modern artist and that's a black guy like there's a reason for that <laughs> there's a reason you don't have the you know the the oh the black classical artist <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah there's a reason for that yeah <laughs> yeah but i had a i i didn't know anything about him like you like Thad, you were like, oh, he's Haitian, so of course I knew about him. You're an artist, so you you knew about. Did you know about? No. Like so, so for me, I was all just day one stuff. So I went down the rabbit hole of like, you know, was, he was friends, kind of frenemies with like Andy Warhol, or like friends, and then they weren't friends. Yeah, yeah. And then that's uh, funny that you even know. That. I just I just learned that he uh, dated Madonna, mm-hmm. and he 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 was one of those guys that was like super talented and mm-hmm. poor, and kind of but like had that attitude of like. I'm going to be the shit. Like I'm going to be the uh, famous, like he had a lot of IOUs out there and a lot of like, don't worry, these checks are going to cash because I'm going to be, I'm going to be the guy. And he ended up being the guy. Mm -hmm. Uh, But one of the things that was interesting in a lot of his interviews and stuff, when they talked about being the starving artist, um, which actually was most of his life. Yeah. He said that he um, had sustained himself on a diet of red wine and Cheetos. Uh. And uh, it seemed like a really interesting Mm -hmm. pairing. I thought about how long I think I could survive on red wine. Not very long. Yeah, well, I mean, he only lived to be 27. (laughs) That is true. I think that was more the heroin diet than it was the Cheetos, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, But then, uh, so that... We're Cheeto heroin shaming now? (laughs) Wow, guys. Wow. I'm on the wrong side of history today, I guess. Uh, so I, I thought that was a, an interesting um, challenge to try to make a dish with red wine mm-hmm. and Cheetos. Mm-hmm. And I did a uh, sous vide pork tenderloin. That was, it was sous vide and red wine. And then uh, rolled it in flaming hot Cheeto dust. And As you said, to give it some depth of flavor. Depth of flavor. Uh, I love those. Like one of my favorite things is like uh, all these amazing chefs that we've got to meet because of the podcast. And I love when fancy chefs use slutty ingredients and stuff. Like, sure, it's one of my favorite things ever. I think that's honestly one of everyone's favorite things. Yeah, like uh, Alan how many TV shows is, are there? Are there that are like a person with like legit chef credentials mm-hmm. out here making a damn hot dog or something? Yeah, so. like 
uh, Chef Alan Sternberg, uh, he was part of our meat cake challenge, and he did like uh, he did like one of his components was like beef jerky on the yeah. cake, and it, it was great. Uh, or Jack Link's beef jerky. Wow, yeah. um, <laughs> on a cake? Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, my, on, on a meat yeah, cake. It was like shredded yeah. or something and used on the outside yeah. of the. Yeah, it was okay, super now, good. I would say that's an example of a of a dish that requires some technical know how. If you're gonna, oh, Alan Sternberg's all technique. Yeah, I would it, say he's 100 percent technique. If you're gonna pull that off, you have to know how to <laughs> bend it to your will. Oh, for sure. Um, but yeah, it was a, it was a fun. It was kind of a fun dish, and I was kind of playing around. I I don't know. Like I was looking at plating techniques and trying to kind of match something because it was. I, what was what 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 style would you say that is? What what the the Basquiat dish? Yeah. What style do I think your no, dish? He, no, what style, like, is his style, would you say? If he was alive today, if he was a contemporary artist today, or if he, he was even, if he had even died within the last 10 years, they just would have called him a street artist, I think. Mm. Um, but um, I'm sure there are a lot of isms that you can, you can attach to him. I, when I think of Basquiat, when I look at his work, especially the differences between it, because you can go to, a, you can see a painting of his on a canvas or a painting of his on a piece of wood he took out of off an abandoned building, or you can see a painting of, you can see a carpet that ripped out of. I've seen, I've been to a, a gallery and seen carpet ripped out of his apartment. Mm, wow, hanging up on the wall because it just has all these <laughs> spots and gross things on it. Um, and I think he maybe he made used it as a painting too, but I mean. Um, Anyway, I would I would consider Basquiat probably an abstract expressionist, meaning he's not what he's not doing a portrait or a picture or anything. And specifically, he's he's ostensibly painting his emotions. He's, he's reflecting some something very immediate as opposed to something that's like premeditated study, you know. And I think I did the, executed that perfectly with pork and pee puree. Oh, it was it was it was so <laughs> reckless. Yeah, I was so like, Basquiat. I mean, that, yeah, yeah. You were at least as good as that carpet. <laughs> uh, I've, I've heard that before. Like, Your food is at least as good as somebody's carpet. <laughs> hey, Basquiat's carpet. And then <laughs> Basquiat's, and then uh, a real treat is what uh, Sauce Boss Zach did for dessert. So. Uh, I made a deconstructed cake. Uh, it was a chocolate espresso cake with a uh, blue raspberry buttercream, a pineapple lemon curd, and then blueberry syrup. But I made it in the form of Starry Night. Yeah, it was a masterpiece. <laughs> it really was, and and good. Uh, my favorite thing is like when you see something creative like that, and you're like, oh man, that looks so cool. And then I'm always worried, not for you particularly, but like, I'm always worried, like, when someone does something that creative visually, it's going to taste like shit, you know, like, it's just, it's not yeah. going to be. Like, I mean, the, it wasn't that the, good. the components aren't going to be as good as like the visual component sure. of it. Right. You don't want the gag to be, you don't want the gag to be better than the substance. Yeah. yeah. And it was great. It was, I would have, I would have eaten that if it wasn't a painting. <laughs> yeah. It was also the first painting I think I've ever eaten. <laughs> hey, that major milestone here. Never eaten a made a made a ton of them, and never ate a painting. I've eaten off the proceeds I was, of a painting. I was hey. so unconfident when I started it because, like, I had these ideas, and I, you know, it's not like you know, art is my uh, or like visual art is my forte. And I got all the ingredients together, and I, I started to think, God damn it. This is an actual muralist, and now I'm about to go. Shit, <laughs> yeah, but you have to understand, nobody's, no one has ever served me a painting. I, like the fact that I knew it was a cake and I could eat it and it was going to taste ridiculous like that. I mean, 
it was one of my favorite paintings I've ever seen. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> it would have made me so happy if you would have just shit all over it when you saw it. I'm like, what the if fuck is like, that? That's what what you I'm like, oh, what? Because I'm a muralist, so you want to give me a painting? <laughs> oh, this tastes good because it feels like what I do. <laughs> yeah. Maybe that's what it was because I went for it. I was like, oh my god, no way! The other thing was, I when we when me and Dyke talked about what we were doing, we basically kind of just said like artists, and then went our separate ways. And so I was under the impression we were both like doing the art, and I come here and he's so you like, thought it was going to be two paintings, right? Well, yeah, and so then I come <laughs> he, here, he's he doing something. Just, he was just trying to be better than my painting. And it's a it's always a battle. Well, and then I thought, I thought at the very least, if I did a five-year-old painting, then he would be doing five-year-old paintings. Mm -hmm. And I realized that wasn't the case. Mm -hmm. It was just going to be me. <laughs> yeah. So you did like, did you, did your half of a cake, was it the same amount of cake as your painting, your deconstructed painting cake? It actually was. I made two rounds. One went on the plate and then one went on the little uh, recreation. It's so wild because having had the chance to eat them both, uh, they're actually a different experience. Like, yeah. To put them together and like kind of mix it up yourself is very different mm -hmm. than just like. Zach is also severely underselling himself. He was the 2021 meat cake champion. They don't just give those out. And the 20 <laughs> and, the, and the and the 2022 uh, runner up. Yep. I believe. Yep. Yeah. Hey, 2023, and, better watch out. Yeah, and I was last place none of those times. <laughs> <laughs> is it important to mention last place? Like, I mean. It's important not to be last place. I don't think it's important game. to for win. You, for your strategy is yeah. not to get last. Yeah, I don't have to win. Okay. I'm not. I'm not paying. I just didn't know what your strategy no. was. I just, you know, I don't want to be. Yeah, like it would have been embarrassing to be last place this year. Glad I wasn't. Jesus. Glad <laughs> I wasn't. Been there, done that. <laughs> wow, you really took the opportunity to shit on another person. <laughs> it was clearly aimed at you. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. I've never, I've never seen someone squirm so much. That's really good. Way to go. You're a real character. Uh, Dan, I did want to ask you something about, because this is something that gets kind of brought up very often. Not very often, but it gets brought up often enough. And I'm not fully in the art world, but I feel like this probably has to have come across your desk at some point. But the artist Muckrock kind of was at the center of kind of controversy uh, that impacted the Indianapolis art scene. Definitely controversy. Yeah. And has kind of spilled out to just the general public. And I feel like people have kind of chosen kind of sides. Can you, before you give any kind of like necessary opinion on it, can you kind of just lay out as you see the situation for maybe somebody that's not familiar with it? Oh, check that out. Okay. Um, well, if I'm being... Uh if I'm being uh, diligent and, and responsible in my journalism, I have to point out that I think the controversy is uh, probably two years old at this point. So the work is still with us and it's still around, but the city itself, as far as the landscape of people doing murals and, and just the taste for that in the whole city, it's completely different than it was when that, when all that happened. Okay. Um, so, but that it's kind of important. So Jules Muck, um, is someone who, you know, you can kind of check her credentials. She's been around since some of the old school graffiti writers from the 80s brought her up um, in New York. She eventually, now she lives in California, and she's a traveling street artist. I mean, she's a person who just goes and paints, like, basically as much as she can. She'll go to a city, and she'll, she'll stay 
and paint as much as she can. When there's nothing to paint, she'll move on to the next city and paint that stuff until, until, you know, like mm-hmm. she really right. does have that. And we'll talk about the, whatever, but I don't want to pirate shame anybody. But <laughs> I love that. But that idea of just like the traveling artist is really, that's really Jules. Um, but at that time in Indianapolis, people didn't really do a lot of walls. And so suddenly her murals were popping up. I think she said she did like 60 pieces when she was here. Mm-hmm. So it was like your favorite brewery, your least favorite brewery, <laughs> uh, the coffee shop in your neighborhood and the one in the north side that you never go to. And, you know, the mattress factory and the hot dog stand. It was like <laughs> everybody that could get one was getting one of these murals. Yeah. And, um, and people were pissed because, you know, the mural scene in Indianapolis, um, was kind, it was just small. I mean, it's probably not too small for the city itself, but it's been small. So at that time, she showed up in a landscape where there were only a very small handful of people doing stuff. There was like a sign painter, a more old school traditional painter, mm-hmm. uh, like one company that's been doing it since the 80s, and then a couple individuals. And Fab Crew, which was my old company, um, we were kind, we were the one, we represented the street art element. Like mm-hmm. we were the street art muralists, and that was our, you know, our role. And when she came here, I think it was very, people, first of all, they were like, how did she get all these spots? Like yeah. who, what artists did, had to get stabbed in the back for her to get these opportunities, <laughs> okay. you know? Yeah. Uh, and I'm not, I'm not pointing that at anybody. That's just, that was just in the air. Sure. Uh, um, but the idea is, and a big deal, a big problem that a lot of people had was she did murals of all kinds. She does murals of celebrities yeah. and she, for someone hired her to do on 38th street, Four garage doors. I don't remember the, all of them. One of them was David Bowie, but the other one was Dr. Martin Luther King. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And she signs her. Her signature is um, she does face tattoos on all of her characters. So it's like, I, you know, Lucille Ball with face tattoos yeah. or, you know, Dolly, leave it to be Dolly her, Parton. Dolly Parton. Exactly. So, I mean, we've all seen her stuff. But she, on this particular mural, she like did her signature on Dr. King's eyebrows and so that was, and then that led people down a rabbit hole of seeing other things that she that she did that were like kind of tone deaf, mm. um, and maybe she didn't do with any malice, but is definitely something that you can t- talk about, you know. And so it became, it was like there was these these people who think she's doing, you know, she's like a colonizer, she you know she's in here, she's appropriating imagery, um, and like being disrespectful with the way she's using iconic figures, or she's uh, she's working too cheap. So she's taking all this work away from artists who, if we, if, if, because we're local, we wouldn't get a deal like Mm -hmm. that. Um, and we need the work more than she does. There's the idea that she's driving down the value because she's charging less money than we would charge. Um, and it was just a lot. I mean, a lot of people had a lot of issues. I'm not sure what the big deal was because I've tried, I mean, I am sure, but I've having been a person who's traveled a bit, Mm. this is a reality of, this is what street art is. People yeah. go around, yeah. they paint as much shit as they can. Yeah. And this is, a, this is a person who, in the case of Jules, was, is trained in the New York City tradition of like, you go out and you bomb and you paint and you, you just get yeah. up. Yeah. She happens to be in, the, in a, a wonderful position, which is that several states away, people will line up to pay her money. Mm-hmm. And I, which, yeah. I mean, I can't say that for any artist that I know. I'm not saying it's not true, just... I'd, I'd like to meet him. I mean, if I was traveling like that, I'd be more inclined to do offensive art as well. Because <laughs> <laughs> you can always leave. Yeah, you're, just, you're not going to be there. But, yeah. but like, I'm not like 
See you later, Cleveland. So this is not what, <laughs> this is not what you kind of do when you like go and tell jokes in another place. Uh, you line up a handful of you know. Well, yeah, but don't you, don't don't people like that though? If you go, they well, do. Cleveland, this place really does <laughs> smell like shit. Yeah, yeah. That's the, but that's the thing. Like, where I was going to ask you, like, is isn't it okay for art, like especially? Uh, caricatures or whatnot supposed to be a little bit offensive and like i'm not saying i mean i don't think we should just whitewash like right. all offensiveness especially when it comes to drawings right um i don't know that's just like kind of where i stand because like do we want to grow up in a society where someone's uh, other opinion that doesn't go with the whole masses isn't uh ex- displayed yeah i mean i think it's first of all to me I, i'm not the one I can get offended by some things, but I don't. The, I, I can't get. I can't get more offended on the behalf of other people about something like this, Doctor King with the eyebrow tattoos. Mm-hmm. Um, but I can look at other things and go, well, I'm a. I may be offended by its crassness, right? Or it's yeah. not very smart, or right. like the spot. I don't like the way she used the spot or sure. that well, artist. And there was but, one that was uh, the Larry Bird. Actually, oh, right, right, right. it was Larry Bird and his lawyer yep. that had said, uh, "Actually, we don't we don't like this representation." Right. And they, I guess they they struck a deal that they were allowed to keep like the Indiana on the arm yeah. or something like that, but yeah. the others had to go. Yeah, she. Um, yeah, it was basically saying it was not consistent with his image. I mean, sure. it's Larry Bird. I doubt which, he has which, any tattoos. But to be fair, yeah, I mean, if, it's, if you're the image, yeah. like, I think you have every right to say, eh. But, 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 but MLK did have face tattoos. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. That's what I thought. Thug life, right? I mean, <laughs> but, 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 like, but that is her art. That's what I'm saying. Like, it, like if she's going to draw Post Malone one day, it's going to be without face tattoos. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's, Could you imagine? That would be even more controversial. Yeah, like, <laughs> like, a whole series of face tat people with no tattoos. Yeah. I mean, there is definitely that, like, and that's part of the argument, too, is, like, shouldn't art be controversial? Shouldn't it make you think? Shouldn't it make some people mad? Like, if nobody cares, then then art, what are you doing? I want to have a muck rock of Jonathan Brooks with no tattoos. (laughs) (laughs) I think that would be a a controversial piece. (laughs) I'm sure she's she's at least painted a Jonathan Brooks with tattoos already. She seems like she would have had to do that by now. Uh, So, I guess, uh, thank you. That was a perfect kind of encapsulation of, of, of the general... Um, controversy. Uh, my my question is about as far as like the Indianapolis mural scene, was that something like? Because I guess the other side of that that I that I heard is like, what was stopping these muralists for from going out and aggressively say it so many more times, ta- tagging up all this stuff? I mean, is there is there something I'm missing there, or is it that was the kind the, of the, the the cost prohibitive thing is the one that that makes the most sense, like. <laughs> They would probably be charging more, maybe, or something. Well, there's two things. Um, yeah, they would probably be wanting more. I can tell you, based on some of the things, I, if what I'm hearing is correct about some of these projects, I wouldn't have wanted to take them. Undercut. Um, and the thing is, I can't do what she did in an hour and a half. Now, that hour and a half looks different from time to time. You know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. like there's, a, there's a, a, a varying range of sort of finish or, like, you know, technique or uh, craftsmanship that you find in these murals is a broad range. But if people were, I don't want to do things cheap. And I said this, I, I did a panel discussion with Jules that was hosted by the arts council. Um, and I said, I understand. I don't feel like she's taking work from me mm-hmm. for two reasons. Number one, I want my work to take longer and cost more. That's just always because I've, because I came from advertising where you have to do as much as possible and it's, it's not really that value. It's not highly valued. Mm-hmm. Um, 
That's my dog. <laughs> sure. Yeah, it's my, my me too. Uh, that's what you, that's what you call it. Yeah. yeah. But the other the, the other thing is, uh, I'm not her. I'm not an artist from California mm-hmm. who's female, who uh, has that New York City pedigree, um, who had at the time like sixty thousand followers on Instagram. Now she has a hundred. You know, it's like so. Tinker Coffee, I think, is probably a place that she's painted, right? Uh, probably. I, yeah. I'm not sure about that one. I feel though. like there's got to be. <laughs> I, Just I, name I, some. There's some. I work at Gomez Barbecue, and it's on the side okay. of the wall there. Yeah. So okay, so it's like I can be mad or be disappointed that Gomez didn't come to me, mm-hmm. um, but to some extent they weren't going to because I'm not her. Yeah, you know, and she ingratiated herself to the sort of like you know intelligentsia of the of the like food world here in Indianapolis, and so she's she's got close friends and supporters. Like she's got people waiting to pay her the next time she comes to town. Like mm. she's always has clients waiting in Indianapolis. Um, and that's what I said at this panel discussion. I was like, I, that's what I want. I hope for that one day. Yeah. But I know India ain't going to do it for me because they've been getting me for free my whole life. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's very, it's, and that's the thing about street art is like, everybody didn't want to paint before. <laughs> Like yeah. there wasn't that much stuff to paint. She comes to town and goes, Oh wow. And there's nothing to paint. I bet if they see one good thing that I'll get every, all the walls, mm. you know? And because it, we've seen it happen I, because I'm from Indianapolis. So yeah. like I was the only game in town and I would be the doing these walls year over year and didn't see, it wasn't like suddenly more people were painting. Yeah. It was like very gradual over time, a very small community. When she came, I think so many people, it's just when they realized, Oh, you can just go paint shit. Yeah. And that that's was it. that was my thinking. My two th- thoughts on it. She did it all with permission, by the way. Yeah, my, I, and 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 the vast majority of it, she got paid at least something. My my two thoughts on it. One were was there this long line of muralists that were just like unfortunately not able to paint any <laughs> any murals, and then someone came and cut the line in front of them. Exactly. And then two was like it. This the people that I seemed a lot of people that seemed most upset seemed like the most. Uh, normally thoughtful and kind of like, uh, you know, uh, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, pe- people that normally wouldn't just trash a woman artist, mm. but it just seemed like all of a sudden it was like free game to just like drag this person through the, and I was just like, man, like what this lady do? Like, yeah. <laughs> did she kill somebody? Yeah, it was a big, well, I mean, I think she didn't realize too, that this is to your point earlier, Indianapolis is not. It is not that kind of a tolerant environment to <laughs> ideas. Like, you know, it's right. why it's why you you you've never probably gone through an art gallery or you didn't the whole time Trump was president. You didn't see shit. Yeah. You didn't see a Trump <laughs> portrait. You didn't hear. You didn't see somebody do a, an anti-Trump uh, cabaret thing at mm-hmm. White Rabbit. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm not saying nobody did it, but my point is, there's not a it's not okay to do that stuff here. Now, maybe that means you should do it. And that certainly means there's definitely an audience out there that wants it to be done. But I can tell you for certain, I would never in a million years and definitely not now what I think to, to, to write my name in tattoo letters on the eyebrows of Dr. Martin Luther King. Yeah. <laughs> and it's because I know that that doesn't fly here. I'm from, yeah. I'm from here. You yeah, know, you yeah. go to LA, it's like, there's a hundred murals. You could write, it could mm. be a dick on there. It's like, people don't, it, oh. you know, but she, because she, the first time she got in trouble for just doing those bunnies. Yeah, you know. Oh, I remember the bunny controversy. You know? Wait, 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 what's going on with the bunnies? So what do, you, what do you think? Do you, do, do you want to fill this one, Dan Philbin? I mean, you know, her. This is one of my favorite controversies. Wait, wait. So she came here. This yeah. is the very first time she came, but before everything we just talked about. Yeah. Um, 
Okay. Okay. So, so we're showing a photo, a photo of the, of the, the bunnies. bunnies. Can, I, can I just explain yeah, what I'm seeing? Yeah, yeah, please do. I'm I'm seeing I'm seeing love. <laughs> um, let me look closer. Togetherness. It says Muck Rock. Yeah. Um, that's her tagging name. Right? I'm guessing Artist by name. the colors, uh, her standard colors. There's a, a male and female. Yeah, uh, we don't know. We don't assume yeah, gender. Yeah. Yeah. Don't be a dick. But I. But what does it say about smoking? <laughs> yeah, real hard on this person. Well, you know, I there's just a, a rabbit smoking a cigarette, yeah. and being penetrated. I'd imagine <laughs> doing what bunnies do. Famously, what fun, what bunnies are best known for? Smoking. Yeah. Oh yeah. It it does look like there's some penetration. Like it looks like there's a what, sex what is scene. <laughs> what was that? Word again? Penetration. <laughs> it looks like there's a sex scene. You've got it. Um, and as much as it pains your Christian mouth to say it, it's two. It's two cartoon rabbits looking like that's consent. <laughs> laying on top of each other. Yeah, it's so. F- yeah, two rabbits doing it. Uh, but what's funny is it has a cigarette. That's the funny part. Rabbits don't smoke. Well, there's nothing obscene. About no. two rabbits. If two rabbits were right in front of us right now, yeah. and no, even if there were kids here, that's what yeah. I'm saying. You'd you would like, probably, whoa, whoa. You would probably <laughs> call your kid over to look at that. You that's know? what I'm yeah. saying. Look, look, they're wrestling. Look yeah. at that. Well, you certainly wouldn't. You certainly wouldn't kick them out no. and write a, an article about it in if, the paper. If, and if one of them was smoking a cigarette, I would call my whole family over to look now, at it. That being said, I'm from here. And I've been here my whole life, so I would never in a million years do a mural of two animals <laughs> mating yeah. on a public street. Mm-hmm. I don't. The building owner would never even let that happen. Yeah. I mean, so just because everyone wants to protect their investment, you, you cannot turn away the, the super conservative people. Can you imagine like 200 years ago, like explaining this to people like or even 300 years ago, like in Indiana, they're like one day there's going to be like a, like a picture of. Like of uh, animals mating with a cigarette, and they'd be like, "Cool, <laughs> <laughs> like, like that's dope." They're going to be able to do. They're yeah. going to be able to get all those colors together and and make that because, like, in Indiana, it was like all forest, and I'm sure they saw a lot of rabbits having sex. I mean, uh, dude, again, they're famous for it, but I think it's so weird because it's like to me, fornication isn't fornication between humans. Like, two rabbits cannot fornicate with each other. That's Not, what I'm saying. I mean, well. Yeah. Yes, I I don't know. I'm not getting the whole dolphin theory. Uh, but, you under, but but it makes you understand why. I'm not saying it's right or I think it's cool. But I I know I knew that that bunny thing wasn't going to last. So she had to cover it. it, dude. It didn't last. I want to say it didn't last the day. I you saw know, the, the the yeah the, the landlord painted over it yeah. in some short amount of time. Then they painted over it with you saw the the, the Bambi and Bambi uh, farting yeah farting farting the name of the name, Rock. Yeah. yeah, that's she came back I believe and did that. Um, yeah, and, but she's so she's got a she's got a rabid fan base around uh, here. Thank you, thank you. Uh, and I I don't want to turn it into the Muckrock podcast, but uh, I did definitely want I did want your opinion on it because. That was something that happened. And like, I remember, especially when that drawing first came up, you had people, two different kind of camps of people that were upset about it. You had like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't want my kids seeing this people that were upset about it, that it was like showing like a, 
you know, a sexual act, I guess, in right. a public place. And then you had all the artists that were just like, how come she's drawing this mural on the side? Like, yeah. I could have drawn that mural. It was well, a very weird conservative progressive overlap. Yeah. <laughs> Dude. Yeah, well, yeah, right. It's like you, it, people, want who, people who want to censor art. It's like mm-hmm. they love art, but this is not the right kind of art. Yeah. And then and you had yeah, the artists yeah, that were like. Different types of censorship. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's exactly You right. had the artists that were like, fuck them. I wanted to do that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah or like my position on it was, damn, I wish I had a relationship with, you know, Beholder because I'd right. like to do a serious piece of work, like yeah. something that might reflect the integrity of the food you make. Yeah, because um, that's what is kind of weird for me. Is but to that's have, not what the owner wanted. Right. Right? You know, the owner wanted that absolutely New York out. Like I want to. I don't want an Indiana piece absolutely. of art. I want to bring the outside work of art here. Yeah, and that's kind of where the controversy ambassadorize it. Now you said at the beginning, and I thought this was very interesting. You said that the art scene then wasn't the art scene now. Mm-hmm. Can you kind of talk about some of the differences and how that evolution has happened? I mean, in the last two years, I'd say there are, um, I don't know, maybe not, probably not several times more artists, but I can tell you when she came to town, my, my motto was like, I don't know what everybody's so upset about. I'm the only one who makes my living spraying paint on walls. Oh, I'm the only one. Yeah. And, and I don't want her to, I don't want to have a problem with her. Mm -hmm. She's, she's a person that we have mutual friends and people that we respect it does nothing but hurt me to have a problem and take this personally. Mm. Um, and it's honestly, I found her to be a really cool person. Um, but I also know that that was not an attack on me. Again, if I wanted to be upset with somebody, I could be in, upset with my entire city for loving her in two weeks yeah. <laughs> and, and, and not even knowing about me in, for 20 years. Mm. Um, but I can't be mad about that because at the end of the day, I mean, did I do enough? Right. Like, so I'm asking a lot, myself some existential questions. I've devoted my life to this art form and I've done it in this city. And she came and it was like overnight people go, Oh, there's street art here now. And it's all because of her. Mm-hmm. I mean, people really are saying that and we're saying it at the time. Um, but I didn't see a lot of people. I saw, you know, I saw a couple sign painters and a, and a couple muralists. No, there were not street artists here. There were not people. The mural boom had not come here. Like this whole thing that's been happening in Miami and, uh, other places, but Miami is obviously the yeah. the center of it. Like that had not happened here. People were not loving of the concept of painting walls. Mm-hmm. We we still started to think of for a long time. We thought if something's going to be in public, we need to all agree on it. That was the vibe here in Indianapolis. Yeah. Like I should not have to drive my car <coughs> past something that that it doesn't please me. Um, and I think even the artists thought this. Even the artists thought like, well, at least in our city, people get a platform; they deserve it. It's not just willy nilly. Yeah. And then you're seeing this person come and get, it's like, wow, they're no, they're just like, they're just running and they just keep putting more finish lines in front of her. <laughs> it just like, just keeps going across the finish line, <laughs> you know? And I, so I think people were, there was a real feeling of like, isn't that part of street art though, is just to get out there and compl- do it. hundred like, percent dude. Is, okay. It just showed to me, it just showed that it just showed that people here were not aware of that. It's, gotcha. I mean, it's in it. And I don't want to say, I don't want to put it, I don't want to say it in such a way that it's like, oh, the city's just dumb. All the people in my city didn't get it. I just think they weren't aware of th- that this thing was a, was possible. Sure. Like you go to my, I mean, people go to Miami and they think everything here is sanctioned. Every artist here is a professional, and it's all been curated and it's safe. Like if because if they didn't think that, why would they go there? You know, and or, or this idea that. Um, the neighborhoods allow it, that the city's tolerant of it. It's a free open world where people get to paint and express themselves. And that's also not entirely true. You know, 
it all comes down to relationships and connections. So for me, um, that was the thing that was like, wow, look at all the relationships she got in such a short amount of time. But as a result, I think a lot more people paint now. A lot more people do. Like there's way more muralists here now and several people that make, make a whole living doing murals that five years ago didn't do them at all. Yeah, we got the the, the Reggie Miller. Oh, the, Pam's been doing it. Kurt Vonnegut. No, Pam's a queen. Pam's been doing it since before any of it was cool. Okay. Yeah, she's legit. But I see him now more often, I guess. Mm-hmm. Maybe what? Maybe the just the vibe of the city has opened up a little bit more to to have these. Well, I think you're I think you're dead on, dude. People think about it now more. They look at they actually they actually gauge the city. We expect it now. You know, it's like uh, like murals. Street art is like the radio. It's like you expect to turn it on and and know what's going on. You know, so it's kind of like that now, where every city to some extent feels like they need to have their own public art, which is a, I mean, that's honestly a cool thing Mm -hmm. because for a long time, you can't judge people though, according to what they pay in their dues. Like earlier you were saying that, uh, you'll see this other person have all this success and you go, man, I said it's trash. Like I'm going to, I'm going to do so much better than that. Why are you successful and being jealous? Uh, and I think it's, it's because you're in the trenches, right? You can't imagine that person having it hard. You can't imagine that person sleeping on couches. You can't imagine them pushing it through for 10 or 15 years for no, for no money or for to break even or have to still keep a job. Yeah. And that was my reality. 15, 20 years of like, I love doing these big walls so much that I don't care if I get paid and, and I don't, I don't measure it in money. Like the success is just a cre- is creative success. And now, now the money's here and you look, you survey the landscape. And I mean, if you take away everybody that would be doing it without money, I can tell you who'd be doing it. Cause that's who was doing it 15 years ago or 10 yeah, years ago. You know, sure. Uh, yeah, I could, I could sit here and talk to you all day. We're going, we're going no. on. Uh, I, I do want to end I'm on a positive. Kidding. I do want to end on a positive note. So if you want a, a, a final thought on the Indianapolis <laughs> art, art, art scene, wow, I got to sew it all up. <laughs> uh, Put a bow on it. Uh, I mean, Indianapolis is, is in, is in a constant state of flux. You know what I mean? When we were younger, there wasn't, I just wasn't like this. There wasn't, I mean, I think it's cooler in the world at large to be an artist. There's more opportunity in the world at large if you're an artist than there was when I was growing up. So mm. I think if you compare that, when you see Indianapolis, you can see that it's on a continuum. Um, I think we still have a long way to go in terms of our taste really being open, you know, because so much of what we do in public art is funded by the same structures that have, you know, uh, censorship is a real thing. It matters where the money comes from. And so as long as we, as long as the biggest uh, statements of public art are being funded by the same people that have been funding the stuff up to this time, mm-hmm. we're always going to have, always going to have some like self-censorship there. But I think it's changing. I think there's more people making work and the more people you have making work, that actually creates, I think more artists creates more opportunity. I actually don't think it creates a greater scarcity of opportunity. I can't explain the math to you. Yeah. But I think when there are more people that are artists, more people that produce, more people that write, perform, create, I think that itself does create a market over time, which is is what's happening now. Absolutely. And I love to see it. Can you drop a beat for me, Sauce Boss? Uh, Once again, Dan Thompson, thank you so much for being on the show. Uh, for people that didn't catch it earlier, where can people find you and follow you on social media, everything you're doing? Invisible Hometown on Instagram and invisiblehometown.com. That's the website. And if I want to get my oil changed, better go to Jiffy Lube. <laughs> Daddy's Jay. Uh, you can find me at uh, Indianapolis 
let's let's get some more art out in this. Oh, I, don't know. <laughs> I, I biffed that one. It's weird because you bought that URL. <laughs> I bought it. Oh, we're still going. Dot com. Uh, so if you can remember all of that, yeah. that's what it is. I just want to take a moment of silence for Thad's bit there. <laughs> well, we didn't play the bomb drop. Whoops. Do we st- what do we still got? Yeah, on that there? was definitely it. Oh, yeah. It's, oh, it's still X-Files. <laughs> Funny. Uh, I'm uh, at Dyke Michaels on all social media. Also, we have an amazing Patreon. It's our after show. Uh, we have a really good guest. He's uh, fresh off the watch list. Uh, um, Nasty Nate is what we like to call him. Uh, it's only $3. Go to patreon.com backslash harder brunch. And then you can be part of our uh, our secret club. We got a handshake, don't we, Zach? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, we'll see you guys. We'll see you guys next time. Thank Bye. You guys.